You know, there's just something about being in the presence of God. And you know what's interesting is we are always in his presence, aren't we? And we sometimes forget that. But when we, we reflect on the majesty of God, uh, it just changes the way, changes our entire perspective. Amen? Well, this is a new year. And so uh, uh, here we have a, a brand new year. It's a, uh, it's a brand new year, but I have a question for you. Is it the same old you? Right. It's a, we know it's a brand new year, right? We've seen uh, the celebrations all over the place. But the question is, is it, a, is it the same old you? Uh, it's, it's that time of year now when we tend to evaluate. We look over the last year and we ask ourselves, and we, you know, well, what, have we, what have we done this year? Has it been a profitable year for us or not? And, and typically we come to this point of the year and we, we look at the last year and we think, man, I've got to make some life changes. Anyone ever get there? Uh, as you, as you, re, you remember, uh, and I think it's, a, it's also a chance for us to remember that we don't live forever, right? We, in this body, in this earth. We don't, and, and, and we're reminded of, of how fast time is flying. And, uh, and so we think, man, I've got to make some life changes. And, and, uh, and so we resolve at this, po- at this point, and hence the word resolutions, we resolve that we're going to do something different next year compared to the previous year. Anyone ever made, done that? Been there, done that? Are we there right now? I hope so. Uh, I, I hope we are. And when you think about it, new, all, all, almost all New Year's resolutions typically fall into three categories. I looked online and, um, and just started looking at, at all these New Year's resolutions. And I think I could find that they, felt, they really all boiled down to one of three categories of New Year's resolutions. Number one, things that make us look better. That was the most popular. Things that would somehow make us look better. Uh, number two, things that make us live longer. So a lot of bad habits that people want to get rid of and so on. And three, things that will help us to have more. Most, I would say um, 90% plus of all of the, the New Year's resolutions I read online, just looking at the top resolutions, all of them seem to fit into one of these three categories. But here's the the problem, um, you know, the, the problem is that none of these things really matter for a lo- for a long time. Isn't that true? I mean, if you think about it for a moment, to look better I mean, th- is that really that important? Uh, you see, the the problem, and I, and I hate to break it to you, but if your goal is to look better, let me be honest with you. One, you're facing an uphill battle, <laughs> right? I'm not saying that just because I get to see you every week, because you see me too, right? Let, but let's be honest, you're, you're, you're facing an, a losing battle there. Proverbs 31, uh, in verse 30, we read this. We read, charm is deceitful, and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. And in Proverbs 31, they're talking about the, the, the woman who is worthy of praise, right? And, and we find there uh, three three simple concepts. One, that charm is deceitful. In other words, what we think is charming is very deceitful. And, and that's why before men go on dates or women go on dates, there's preparation that takes place, right? Charm is deceitful, right? But beauty is what? It's passing. I think some of the translations that, that we have uh, represented in here, I'm sure, would say fleeting, right? It, they're temporary. And that is the nature of of physical beauty. In fact, my mom uh, used to say, she had this, uh, this great quote uh, that I've written down and, and remembered all these years. She used to say, when I was a little girl, my friends and I all cried because we didn't look like Liz Taylor. 
And she said, she went on to say, and now my friends and I all cry because we do. <laughs> I'm not trying to rip on Liz Taylor. Okay, let me correct. I was kind of ripping on Liz Taylor. And I did get a little bit of joy out of that. But, uh, but at, at the same time, the point is, this is reality for all of us, isn't it? You know, I, I have wrinkles that I didn't have 10 years ago. And 10 years from now, I'll have wrinkles that I don't have today. And it's just the nature of things. Uh, our, our bodies are not designed so that we continuously get better and better looking, right? It's just... It's when we put all of our, our investment of time and energy into our looks, um, then, then that is a losing battle. But let's face it, all of us are going to lose that battle. And, and it's the nature of things. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't try to look better. I'm not, that there's nothing wrong with, with doing things and getting a nice haircut or wearing makeup. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do some of those things. But what I'm saying is that, that that's not worth wasting our, our resolve on those things. It's not worth making a resolution that's, that's only going to get worse over time. Boy, that would be a depressing way to live life, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be? Uh, and so to look better, or take the second one, to live longer. Uh, Psalm 39 uh, tells us in verses 4 through 6, the psalmist wrote this. He said, Lord, make me to know my end. Just stop there for a moment. We don't like to focus on the end of our life, do we? How many of us like to focus on that? But the psalmist said, Lord, I need you to make me understand, make me grasp my end, and what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. Verse 5, he goes on to say, Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best is what? A state of vapor. Goes on. Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. They heap up riches and, and, and does not know who will gather them. So he, when he's talking about, we, if we want to make our lives to, to live longer, guess what? No matter how much, even if you could theoretically extend your life, guess what? In, in light of eternity, that's nothing. That's nothing. And, and here he touches in verse 6, uh, what brings us to the, the last one, to, to have more. Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. This is what uh, the psalmist says. It's in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. I mean, to have more? Is that really why we're here? Do, do, but you know what? This is human nature. We, we hoard things. We heap up things. We stockpile uh, possessions. And, and for what? He says it's in vain. In fact, uh, Solomon wrote this in Ecclesiastes 5, verses 13 through 15. He wrote, There is a severe evil which I have seen under the sun. Riches kept for their owner to his hurt. Verse 14. Uh, verse 14 but those riches, what? They perish through misfortune. When he begets a son, there is nothing in his hand. And as, as he came from his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came. And he shall take nothing from his labor which, may, which he may carry away in his hand. What is he saying? We came into this world naked. 
We didn't bring anything into this world. And when we leave this world, we will leave this world naked. What does it mean? We can't take anything. Everything you work for, everything you do, to, to, you stockpile all of this stuff. And we do this. And when it comes to the end, all of that, where does it go? To somebody else. We can't take anything. And so what, is, what is, is Solomon trying to explain to us? We need to get our focus off of these things. We need to get our focus off of the things that don't really matter. And when we, when we look at those things, it, 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 it doesn't matter in the long term, which is why Jesus said in Matthew 16, he said, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I think he's talking about this concept of stockpiling things that the earth has to offer. Because he goes on to say in verse 26, it says, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, Jesus said that the problem with, with our resolutions is, is that we are resolved towards all the wrong things. And we want to stockpile all of the wrong things. Uh, and and I, I read online this week uh, that, that um, the statistically, if you ask people at this time of year how many of them kept last year's resolution, what percentage would you guess actually kept that resolution? How many would say 80% or higher? Okay. 50% and higher. 20% and higher? 10% and higher? You guys are you guys right? 8%. 8%. I forgot what the percentage even was of the people who remember what their resolution was. <laughs> it's low, right? And, and so why? It's because we put our, our resolutions into things that don't really matter. And so today I want to talk about advice on resolutions. But not just advice on resolutions, advice on resolutions by the wisest man who ever lived. Now, I want to give a little caveat here. Um, the wisest man who ever lived is hands down, it's Jesus Christ, right? Uh, but I didn't, wanna, I didn't have that much space on the screen to say the wisest man who ever lived, that wasn't Jesus Christ, right? But the wisest man who ever lived, that was not Jesus Christ, was whom? Was who? It was Solomon. And so we're going to take some, uh, some things, just three, three pieces of advice uh, from Solomon about resolutions and, and, uh, and see if we can make some good resolutions this year and be part of that 8% next year that could look back and say, wow, we kept these resolutions and they were worth keeping. But at first, it's important to define what resolution is. So I look for the simplest definition I could find. Simplest definition I could find was this, a firm decision to do or not to do something. That's pretty basic, right? It's a firm decision to do or not to do something. But there is something genius in this definition when you think about it, and it's the timing of the decision. Because when you say a firm decision to do something, you're making the decision now about your behavior in the future. And I think the timing of the decision is very important. Uh, and it has everything to do with the timing of our decision. Because the idea of resolution is that, that here you are today, and... and, and you, you, you enter a temptation. If you wait until you are in the, the moment of the temptation and you make that decision at that moment, by the way, that's a bad idea, right? 
But if you make the decision in the moment of your temptation and you try to decide in that moment, that's called a reactive decision. And reactive decisions are usually bad. How many of us have been there? Right? And so if you wait until you're in, in, in that moment, it would be like asking a teenager to wait, uh, you know, a teenage girl to wait until her date drives off the main road at night and, and decides that he wants to begin a physical relationship. But if she waits until that moment to make the decision, that's bad news, isn't it? Or, or if, if you're, you're struggling with something in, in your diet and you, and you wait until you're in the situation and, and, and you have the opportunity to indulge in more than you... If you wait until that moment, that's a bad idea. It's a reactive decision and we tend to fail. But if we make the decision ahead of time and we make that decision uh, we, ahead of time, we call that a proactive decision, right? It's a, it's a proactive... This is the definition of a, of a resolution, where we say, before I am even in the situation, before I am in the temptation, I am resolving now what my decision is going to be. Boy, the timing of our decisions is vital, isn't it? To, to, to say, before I get there, this is the decision I'm going to make. So that way, when you're in the temptation, you don't have to make the decisions. The decisions have already been made. Why, it's a huge, important thing. So this is the definition of of a resolution. And so here's the advice. Here's three, three pieces of advice that we'll, we'll pick up from, from Solomon. Number one, choose something that matters. When you make a resolution, you need to choose something that matters. Let's take a look at, at the, the three things that uh, are typical. To look better, to live longer, to have more. Are these the things that matter, or is there something else that matters more? Let's take a uh, look better. First um, Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. This is what we read. We read, In like manner also that the women, this is Paul talking to Timothy, giving instructions for the, the, the women in the church, that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Now, just to be clear here, I'm, Paul, I don't think Paul was saying you shouldn't braid your hair or you shouldn't have gold or any pearls or anything like that. What's he saying? Don't make those your adornments. That's why he says in moderation. He's not saying don't. In fact, uh, someone once asked um, Bob Jones, uh, they said, is it, is it okay for a woman to wear makeup? And he, and he responded in a very short way, but it answered the question. He said, if the barn needs painting. <laughs> and that's all he said. And, and I just thought it was kind of comical. But, but the point of the point is, you know what? It's not really about that. He, what Paul is saying is, is that instead of adorning yourselves with just things that will make you look better, he's saying your real adornment should be what? It should be your godliness, your, your good works, your, your character. And so he's saying adorn yourselves with character. Don't, don't look for something that's just going to make you look better. In fact, you know what, what's interesting is that even though it's not at a conscious level, people tend to be more attracted, not necessarily to the person who fits all of the definitions of what a culture says is good looking or not good looking, but they, their people tend to be attracted and want to be around people who smile. You know that? 
And, and, so, and so it really, that's, that ends up being more important. Why? Because, because character is way more attractive than a color of makeup or this or that. And again, I'm not knocking women for using makeup. I'm, I'm, I'm not knocking you for that. And, and, um, and I'm, but I'm saying, don't let that be your adornment. Don't let that be what you resolve. This year, I'm going to look a little better. This year, I'm going... That stuff, it's passing, it's fleeting, right? But your character, that's something that is going... That's, that is a beauty that will continue on in eternity. Amen? That is a beauty that, continue, that will continue on. And adorn yourselves with character. And I'm talking to the men as well. And... Uh, uh, beauty fades, but a person who fears the Lord, that, that's worthy to be praised, according to Proverbs. And, and uh, well, how about uh, live longer? You know, you look at uh, uh, live longer, it's a, a decision to try and do something that would live longer, like exercise, for example. But First Timothy says, um, uh, says this book, reject profane old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. So in the context, he says, exercise is good, but exercise towards godliness. He goes on to say in verse 8, he says, For bodily exercise profits a little, uh, why, uh, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. Now, I want to clarify something in here. In Greek, uh, if you actually read it in its original language, it says bodily exercise profits a little, and it just stops there. And, and so whenever you have an adjective without the noun, then you have to kind of fill in the blank. Well, a little what? It, it profits for a little what? And so whenever the noun's not there, it's because it's supposed to be obvious in the context. And we see this happen twice in here. First, it just says bodily exercise profits a little. Then it goes on to say, but godliness is profitable for all. The word things isn't there. You have to fill that word in. Godliness is profitable for all. All what? It's supposed to be obvious in the context. That's why you have maybe a couple different translations out there. Some will say things. Some will say while or time. Why? Because right in the context we have the element of time. Look what it says in the second half of the verse. Having promise of the life that now is, present tense, and that which is to come, future tense. Tenses have everything to do with time. So I believe that, that uh, the best translations, although the others would be accurate, the best translations would actually say something along the lines of, for bodily exercise profits for a little time or a little while, but godliness is profitable for all, what? All time. All for, for, for eternal. It's for all time. Why? Because it's a promise for now that is intended to affect us for the time that is yet to come, the future. And so when we look at this, there's nothing wrong with exercise. In fact, I hope you do exercise. Uh, why? Because it is profitable, the scripture says. It's just profitable for a shorter amount of time. And so while exercising is great, and you should exercise it, and, and, and it's a great thing, he's saying exercise yourself towards godliness. Now that's something that lasts for eternity. And so, you know, to, we talk about living longer. Um, um, he's saying, well, we should exercise ourselves in godliness. Exercise ourselves in godliness. Or, or we talk about having more. And uh, what it says in, uh, in about having more. But what did Jesus say about that? 
And Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Don't stockpile stuff. I mean, we value stuff, don't we? I mean, we're, as Americans, we value stuff way too much. And, and, and when we get worried about, we get worried about uh, uh, finances, it's really not worried about our own life or our own sustenance. I mean, that's so far, that's not even on our radar screen. We're worried about not being able to have as much stuff as we have, right? If we're honest. I mean, we're not a third world country here. We're not living, I mean, I've met people and I've been in countries where they're worried about their sustenance. I have rarely met an American that's genuinely worried about his sustenance, really worried about his stuff. Is that, am, I, am, I, am I telling the truth? And, and so Jesus, though, said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. When you exercise yourself to godliness and you build something in your character, there is no thief on earth that can come into your house and steal that from you. No one can steal that from you. But you work really hard to, to get a boat. And you know what? That boat, and again, I'm not saying it's wrong to have a boat. If God's blessed you with the finances to do it, that's great. But if that's where your treasure is, then you've got a problem. Because that's not going to last forever. It'll spring a leak eventually, right? It will sink eventually or, or end up somewhere. It, why? Because, because those treasures are not designed to last forever. And Jesus is saying, be careful what your treasures are because you want to make sure your treasures last forever. Make sure your treasures go with you. Because you know what? Naked did it become. Naked shall we leave this earth. But you can take your character with you. You can take your godliness with you. Amen? And we, and we see that. Uh, and so, uh, so what, what we, we store up our treasures for something that really matters. I, I used to say to my dad as a joke, I'd say, Dad, I'll make you a financial deal here. Every Father's Day, I will give you $1,000 if you give me just a mere $100 every Sunday. I mean, that sounds like a great deal for him, right? I'll give him $1,000 every Father's Day if he just gives me $100 every Sunday. Of course, you know where that's going, right? Sunday happens once a, once a week, you know, and if you go, if you change the O to a U, but hey, I was, you get the idea. And so, and so over time, you know, since there's 52 weeks in a year, I would make 5200 and I would only give away 1000 so 4200 to my good, right? And, 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 and I know it's a silly illustration, but when we invest... When we invest in this earth, it's like investing in something that, it's a poor investment because if we invest in something eternal, the the benefits are so much better and so much more long-lasting that we can't even measure the two between this little blip of of an existence on earth compared to eternity. Um, It doesn't make sense. And, and, and so when you put these together and you look at this, instead of trying to have more, what we should do, we should store up our treasures in heaven. We should be looking to store up things that we can take with us. And the Bible is very clear. We will not take a single possession, a single physical entity of any kind with us. But we can take our godliness. We can take our character. We can, we can store up treasures in, in heaven. And so we need to choose what matters instead of choosing these things. And you know what we tend to do as well? 
we tend to start with results. When you look at, at most of the resolutions that are out there, usually they start with results. And so if you, if you say the results are over here, they, these are our results. And maybe the results is I'm going to lose 15 pounds, right? Or I am going to stop smoking or, or whatever it might be. And you have these results over here. And, and we start with these results. And those results aren't aren't necessarily godliness, though maybe they're means to an end, but they're not godliness in themselves, right? In fact, maybe if we do a little bit better, uh, those who tend to come in the middle and we say, well, well I'm just going to focus on the behaviors. I am not going to do these behaviors so that I can get to those results. So you might say, I am going to focus on exercising three times a week and I am going to eat X amount of calories or whatever so that I can lose those 15 pounds or, or I'm going to do this or I'm going to get a patch so I can stop smoking whatever it might be, and we focus on these behaviors, and what, what Solomon is saying when he talks about choosing what matters, he's saying we need to go back even one step before, and we need to look at what character traits do I need to develop first so that I can have the right behaviors, so that I can have the right results. Does that make sense? And so instead of saying something like, uh, uh, well, I'm going to lose 15 pounds, I could say, well, what is the character trait that I need to develop? You know, maybe I, I need self-control, right? I need some self-control. You develop that character. Now you develop some behaviors that are going to reflect the character change that God is doing in your heart. And you, and, you're, and you have these behaviors, and then those behaviors will give you the results. And what you find sometimes is that those results that you wanted ahead of time weren't even the right results, Right? Does God ever say, by the way, exactly what we're supposed to weigh? Right? No. I don't see anywhere. I've never found that in Scripture. It says you should. No, it doesn't say that. It says that we need to develop self-control. And what I find a lot of times is culture presents this image of what is right, and we fall for it, and it's wrong. Does that make sense? Because God says that we should take care of our bodies. Yes. God says, we, you know, when God gives us a gift, we should take care of that. We should be good stewards of what he gives us. So, yes, we should have self-control. We should exercise and we should, we should try to eat well and all those things. And sometimes we can do all that and not lose the 15 pounds. Why? Because God's word failed? No, it's because we had the wrong idea of what we were supposed to look like or, or how long we're supposed to live or how much we're supposed to have from the beginning. Does that make sense? And, and, so, and so we can take off the pressure of what, of what the, the world says and, and how, of how much we should have and how we should look and, and, and how all of those things. And we should just focus on what God has, has called us to do. And maybe we can live in a healthy way and still get a disease that was not our fault. And now we, instead of holding that against ourselves, like, oh, man, we said, this is just a challenge that God has given me for this part of my life. And, and that's okay. Because you can be godly and sick, right? And so, and so you look at those things, and, and it starts to help us focus on the things that matter instead of focusing on the results. Amen? Am I, am, I, am I the only one getting this right today? This is God's word. This is, this is what uh, Solomon is saying. We need to choose the things that matter. You know, I, if I had to compare it to something, I would compare it to uh, when I was wrestling in college. And uh, I weighed 189 pounds when I, joined, when I tried out for the wrestling team. And I thought coming from a, a, a decent 
a decent uh, high school record that it would be pretty easy. And, and I remember at the end of the tryouts, the coach said to me, he said, Dave, good news, you made the team. I'm like, awesome, yes. So the bad news is you have to wrestle 171. I'm like, I weigh 189, coach. And he's like, yeah, but that's open slot, 171. So I have to lose 18 pounds. And, uh, and so in my very first practice, I lost 11 pounds, my very first wrestling practice. And you might say, how on earth do you do that? Lose 11 pounds in just a couple of hours. And, and uh, they call it the Dave Grave Diet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and you can purchase it at. No. Of course. Now, you say, that's great. You're halfway there. I wasn't halfway there. You're more than halfway there. No, I wasn't more than halfway there. Why? Because so much of that, uh, that 11 pounds was just water, right? And so we put on garbage bags, and I'm not saying this is a healthy thing to do, but this is what wrestlers did back in the day, and, and we'd work garbage bags underneath your clothes, and you're doing hard work, and then you go to the sauna, and you're doing sit-ups and push-ups in the sauna, and you lose all that weight. And here's the problem with losing those 11 pounds. Uh, two problems. One, one is as soon as you drink water, you have most of that weight back. I would drink water, and I wouldn't, not to get gross, but I wouldn't release any water, right? Why? Because I was dehydrated. So, so it's this temporary fix. And, and yes, if I focused on the result of losing weight, you'd say I did a great job in that first practice. So I was focusing on the result. What I needed to do was go back and say, what did I have to do in my lifestyle? What... what what resolve did I need to develop in my character? What did I need to change to get to that point? Because the moment I, I, I drank water, that weight was right back. Most of it. Does that make sense? Uh, the second thing that it did is it decreased my strength. So I wasn't able to do the things that I needed to do to actually lose the weight. And, and so, and, and that's why we fail. That's why we fail. And, uh, and again, the wrestling illustration is not a perfect illustration because some of the things we had to do was pro- probably wasn't necessarily healthy. But, um, uh, but I think it's, it's, it, it illustrates in that sense that I think what we tend to do, we focus on those results when we should be focusing on the character. Because then we can see the results that God wants. And maybe some of those results aren't the results that we needed in the first place. Does that make sense? And, uh, and so we have to choose the things that matter. Choose the, the godliness and the character uh, and the things that really matter. The things that we can take to heaven with us. And by the way, when we, when we say that, I think we have to make sure we have the right understanding of heaven. Because when we think of what we take to heaven, I think we tend to have this idea that hen, heaven is an eternal retirement from doing work. Right? I mean, you get I mean, this image of us on clouds and playing harps. And, you know, that's, that's eternity, right? And that's true in Tom and Jerry, the cartoon. But it's not true in reality. In reality, God has plans for us that go way beyond what he could even begin to reveal to us on earth. We have no idea what he has. And that's why he says, I can't wait to get here because I've got plans for you that you're going to love. But it involves work, it involves character, it involves godliness. And we need to start developing those things now so that we can start doing what he's called us to do in eternity, right? And so, uh, and so take those things with us to heaven because we're going to need them there. We're going to need them. Advice number two. I spoke a long time on advice number one. I will still try to get us out of here uh, at a decent time. Advice number two, 
don't go it alone. Don't go it alone. Proverbs 3, 7 says this. It says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. If you're wise in your own eyes, you think, I got this covered. Right? I can do this. It goes on to say in Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Why? Because we need each other. That God gave us the church for a reason. We need each other. Consider the strength that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had because of each other. Even when their life was on the line for their disobedience to the king, they had each other and they had resolve in their hearts and they stuck to it and God rescued them in the day of trial, right? From the fiery furnace. And, uh, and so we, we see that. Ecclesiastes uh, 4, uh, Solomon, same, same, same wise person said this, said two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. He gives the first example. We are better in numbers because we fail and we fall. That's an important lesson to know right there. We fail and we fall, but then we have each other to pick each other up. And one day it's going to be me that falls. And I need people around me to pick me up. And maybe the next day they're the person who falls. And I'm going to be there and strong to pick them up because they helped me. Right? That's the, that's the, that's the, the imagery of, of, of this multitude of counselors. It goes on to say in verse 11, again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. How can one be warm alone? And, 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 that's, and that's true. I, and I've, had to, I've gone on some, some backpacking trips where we've been in very cold, uh, cold elements. And I'll tell you right now, I would rather be in a tent with two than in a tent with one on those nights. You know, even though I'm not a cuddler. Right? All right I'm, so I'm not saying. But I'll tell you what, just having two people even in the same tent, they give off heat. And it's like being in a tent with a heater or being in a tent without one. It's, and we, we need each other. We, get, we give sustenance. We give warmth to each other. And verse 12, he says, Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and, and th- a three-floored cold is not quickly broken. And so, in other words, in, in, in the, here's a battle imagery that he gives. And you, know, you're, and, and you have people who are trying to overcome you. You know, we only have eyes on one side of our head. You know, we can only see what's happening right here. And so when you have one person fighting, you have a very exposed place. And that's the entire position behind you, right? That's why being flanked is, is a bad thing in, in any battle scenario. Why? Because we only have eyes in one direction. But when you have two people, what happens? You have a person who can say, I'm going to watch this person's back. And I'm going to put my back to this person's back. And, and so as I'm, I'm protecting this person's back, that person's doing what? They're protecting my back. This is where you get the phrase, I got your back. Right? And, and that's the way it is. Because we all, in reality, we have blind spots. And if we go it alone, we will miss those blind spots. That's the definition of a blind spot. But when we don't go it alone, and when we invite influence from our brothers and sisters, then they will see our blind spots, and they can help us. Say, hey, I see, an, I see that attitude you were working on. I see it's showing up right now. Oh, you know, you're working on your, your temper? Hey, uh, the way you responded to that waitress wasn't good. You know, um, and it wasn't even her fault. Or whatever. Like, oh, thank you. Yeah, I need to apologize, and I need to work on it. We need each other for that, don't we? 
need each other for that. Um, so, number one, choose something that matters. Character and, and so on. Number two, don't go it alone. Number three, learn from your failures. Learn from your failures. Proverbs 26, 11 says, As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. I mean, that's it's graphic imagery, but, but we see foolishness when we repeat the same thing and we can fall into the same traps over and over and over again. This week, someone posted on Facebook a picture of a guy, I don't know if you saw it, but he's, he's shoveling snow and it was just too heavy for him to push it all to the side. So he, 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 he got a shopping cart and he puts it in the middle and he takes snow and he takes it over and dumps it into the shopping cart. Now, you can imagine this in your mind. Do you see a problem with that? Yeah, he must have been a, a, like a government official or something. And, and so he goes back over, he gets another shovel, and he takes, takes it, dumps it into this grocery cart, and it's just falling right through. And he continues to do this, and he's wondering why on earth, you know, and, and, and that's just ridiculous, and which is why it's funny, and which, which is why it goes viral, right? And we see those kinds of things. And, 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 you know, and, you know, that's what we do sometimes in our foolishness is we make a mistake and we don't learn anything from it. We don't learn anything from it. And, and, and the Bible is very clear. We are going to make mistakes. We are going to fail. We're human. That's just part of being human. The difference is if we can learn from those mistakes or not. And so you may set a, a resolution, but I don't think you're going to say today, this is the character trait I want to develop. And from January 2nd to, to January 31st of 2017, you will live in perfect victory in that area. If you do, uh, then, then you are Jesus Christ. Right? Because no one else is going to do that. And... Uh, so it's important that we learn from our mistakes. And we tend to do one of two, two things. So when we, we tend to do one of two things, two extremes when it comes to our failures. We either tend to ignore the past and, and never learn from our mistakes, uh, where we, we just keep repeating the same patterns over and over again. Or, you know what else we do sometimes? We dwell in the past. We live in our past failures. And we tend to do one of these two things. We rarely just learn from our mistakes and get up and move on. But we dwell in the past and we think, oh, you know what? I can never do this because I failed. Well, guess what? We've all failed. We'll all fa- You'll fail again. But it, it, learning from our mistakes means we get up and, and we understand. In fact, I hope we realize that when we when we find ourselves in that attitude of I'm a failure, what you're really saying is that the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross didn't accomplish what the Bible says it accomplished. Isn't that true? Look what the, uh, even the psalmist says in the Old Testament, Psalm 103, he said, For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. When you think of that, the mercy that God, that God has is as high as the heavens. And I, that's high, right? And, and then he goes on to say in verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Our failures are as far as east is from the west. I'm glad he didn't say north from the south because you can measure the distance from the north pole to the south pole. It is a, a finite definition of distance. 
But you go east. How far do you go east? Whichever way east is. Right? Thank you. Scott knows. East. How far can you go east? And if I continue in this direction, when am I headed west? See, now if I go north, eventually, if I go the same direction, I'm going to be headed south. Right? Once I get to the North Pole, eventually I will be headed south. But if I go east, I will never be headed west. You can go east for an eternity. If I go west, when am I going east? Never. And so, so he has given us an infinite, an infinite distance in both directions and says that's how far away from your failures you are if your sins are forgiven. Let that sink in. And so, so, yes, we should learn from our mistakes, but we should forget the events. We should learn the lessons and forget the events. Because God has. He's separated us so far from our, from our failures. That's understanding a little bit about the cross of Christ when we do that. That's understanding a little bit. And that's why Paul said in Philippians 3, he said, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. He maintained his humility. He knew he had lessons yet to learn. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what he's, that's what he's talking about. I have learned from my failures. But now I forget those things. And I press on towards the high calling, which is an upward call, as God is working to improve me in his godliness, in his character. You see that? And see how it all fits, how it all fits together? Today I'm going to ask a, a, a couple of questions just for self-reflection. And, um, I'm going to ask you three simple questions. Uh, and ask you to do, ask, really ask you to do three simple things. Number one, I want you to think back on 2016. And I want you to ask yourself, what are some areas of godliness that need improvement in my life? Actually, I'm not even sure what all, there's so many topics, I don't even know. Let me give you a couple, all right? I'm going to give you a couple to think through. And this, this comes straight from Galatians 5. These are the fruit of the Spirit, right? So attributes of godliness. Number one, love. Ask yourself, have I been a loving person? This year? Have I been self sacrificing her? Have I been consumed by myself this year? If so, this would be a good, a good one to pick. Or how about joy? Have I been depressed a lot this year? Have I been basking in the joy of my salvation? Or have I been wallowing in, in the pit of despair because of, of, of things that are not going the way I was hoping they would be in my life? Uh, one of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. How about peace? Peace. Do, am I anxious all the time? Am I all constantly worried about things that, that are going to happen? Am I worried about the future? Or can I live in peace? Maybe peace is, a, is some godly character that you need to add. How about long-suffering? Am I quick-tempered? Do I get mad? Do I find myself frequently yelling at, at other vehicles because of, what, because of the way they drive? I just stepped on some toes, I can tell. <laughs> all right? And they were mine, I think. Uh, long suffering. Kindness. 
Am I, am I kind to those around me or do I snap at them? Goodness. Goodness means benevolent. Am, am I actually benevolent? Am I, will, am I doing good things for other people? Faithfulness. Am I giving up on things? Do I, do I keep trying things and falling flat on my face? And faithfulness. Gentleness. Am I gentle with people? Or do I have rough edges? Does everyone tell me, you know, keep saying, boy, you said that kind of rough. You know, or, 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 or not, are you gentle? Or self-control. You know, do you struggle with self-control in, in whatever area of your life? Maybe it's a, a, a pornography addiction. Or maybe it's uh, a self-control in, in, in maintaining your tongue. Or, uh, or self-control in your diet. Or self-control in your exercise. Or self-control, whatever it might be. And, and, and so this is where you might end up go, getting some of those results that you were thinking about before. But don't start there. Start with the character. Start with the, with the godliness and say, God, develop this in me. And then start behaving that way. And then God will take care of the results. And so think back to 2016. Number two, I would ask you to confess any sins to God that you need to right now. In just a moment, I'll give you an opportunity. And if there are sins and you say, Lord, uh, you brought up something to my attention. I want to confess that to you right now. Because this is all part of choosing something that matters. And then we talked about not going it alone. This is why, number three, I'm asking you, tell someone you respect and ask them to keep you uh, accountable. So find somebody in the church. Find somebody uh, that is a believer. Find somebody and say, hey, you know what I'm working on? I'm working on this. Would you hold me accountable to, for, to build up this godly attribute in my life? And when you see me not displaying this, would you call me out on it? Well, it's not easy, is it? It's easy to say. But it's not easy to do until you start reaping the fruit of the Spirit. And you start, and you start seeing God change you from the inside out so that next year you won't say, it's a brand new year, same old me. It's a brand new year, brand new me. Amen? And, and so I would ask you to do that um, at, at, this, at this time. I'm going to invite the, the musicians and the, the worship team. If you guys would come on up and we're going to sing a song called No Longer Slaves. And I want you to think about the words of this song. That we do not have to be slaves to sin anymore. Do you know that? We, we are not... Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we could change who we are. And he is in the business of changing lives. And maybe you've tried in your own efforts by focusing on, your, on those results. And that is about to change today. Amen? That is about to change today. Because we are no longer slaves to fear. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to any of that. Why? Because we are children God. And he is in the business of creating godliness inside of us.